Would you turn with me this evening to the book of Genesis, the third chapter, and I'm thinking we will introduce tonight a new series. And this is something that's been on my heart for some time now. And I know there are real answers here. So let's read the the passage and get right into it. This third chapter is where it all went wrong. God had made everything. He created the heavens and the earth. He created the trees and the plants. He created the fish of the sea and the whales. He created all the cattle and he created man. And he created a beautiful garden and he put the the man and the woman in the garden. And it was literally paradise. There was no curse. There was no evil. And it was to last in perpetuity. It was to never end. There was no death. There was no dying. There was no sorrow. There was no crying. There was no tragedy. It's hard for us to imagine. But that's how it was. Until chapter 3. It says, verse 1, The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, has God said... You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. The Bible tells us that the devil is very crafty. Don't assume that he is not intelligent. He is intelligent. He he has a lot of wisdom, but it's not godly wisdom. James talks about devilish wisdom. And you'll see the way he operates, and he still does it to this day, he, he starts out questioning God, questioning what God said, questioning your understanding of what God said, because the basis, the foundation of our faith, the anchor of our soul is our faith and hope in God's Word. If you don't have the revelation of God's Word, if you don't understand his word. If you haven't received it and committed to do it, you have no foundation. You're unstable. You're easily confused, deceived, misled. So that's where the enemy has to start. He can't just do anything he wants to do to destroy you or yours. He has to take away the this foundation of your faith. He has to take away the Word of God from you. He can only do that if we allow it. So he says, did God say? Did God say that? And uh, Eve responded. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not 
surely die. Now this, can you see the progression? He questioned God's word. Questioned her understanding of what God said. Then he follows it up with a blatant contradiction. A flat out lie. The devil is the father of lies. He said, You'll, you won't surely die, which is an absolute lie. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. They already knew good. And they didn't realize it, but you don't need to know evil. You don't want to know evil. You're so much better off not knowing evil. Went on to say, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. That's a sad passage. And she gave also to her husband who was with her and he did eat. This is very, very sad. But none of us can judge them because every one of us has done the same thing. If you'd say, well, no, I hadn't done anything like that, then you're saying you've never sinned. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means we did the same thing they did, some form or fashion. But I want you to see the following. Their eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, feeble attempts to cover themselves. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves, hid themselves, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. And the Lord God called Adam and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Again, you you hear this, I hid myself. They hid themselves. You hear it again, I hid myself. Hiding. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? Now this is uh, not a, a complex question. What's the answer to this question? Let me see if I can hear you <laughs> through, the, through the cameras. What's the answer to the question? Yes, I did. We did. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said. He said, have you, uh, have you eaten of the tree whereof I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. So he he got around to saying, yeah, that he did, but he blamed her. He blamed her. The title of our new series is The Blame Game. The blame game. It has been going on 
sense here. (laughs) People blaming others for their problems, blaming others for their lack, blaming others for their unfulfilled desires, blaming others for their own sins and shortcomings. And it is a most serious failure. It is the worst thing you can do in this situation. If you have missed it, if you're in trouble, you need help. You need grace. You want mercy. And if you blame others, you won't get it. Now that's a sobering statement, and don't just take my word for it. In this study, let's find out. Is that true? Is that what the word teaches? I'm going to say it again slowly. If you've failed, if you have fallen, if you've sinned, you've messed up, if you're in trouble, you need help. You want mercy and grace. If you blame others, you won't get it. You won't get it. Because God only gives his grace to, does anybody remember? The humble. And if you're not even acknowledging and taking responsibility for your own mistakes and failures, you are not being humble. You're being proud. Pride hides and blames others. Humility acknowledges and takes responsibility. And the great thing about doing that is you get the help. The humble get the grace. And in the grace is the help. In the grace is the mercy. I want you to notice what happened here and what didn't happen here. God said, did you, uh, did you eat of the tree? I commanded you not to. What would humility say here? Yes, Lord, I did. If you love <laughs> your wife, you don't want to make things any worse for her. <laughs> right? So why even bring her up? If you care about her, You wouldn't want to bring her up. The truth is, she was deceived. She was tricked, the New Testament tells us. And Adam was not. So really, he's more responsible here than her. He was not deceived by this at all. He went in it with his eyes wide open, knowing what was going on. And humility and honesty would have taken full responsibility. Lord, you told me to keep the garden. You told me to do this. I knew what was going on. I knew this wasn't right. Yes, Lord, I take full responsibility. Have mercy on Eve. She she was tricked. That would be 
humility, and that would be love. Now, I'm, I'm not speaking against Adam because truth is, all of us have done some of this. It's ugly, it's not flattering, but all of us have done some of this somewhere, sometime. And the reason being is your flesh. Why did Adam respond this way? Why did both of them run and hide? Fear. He said it. I was afraid. And also shame. You're embarrassed. You're ashamed. You're afraid. And when that's going on, what does everything about your flesh and and mind scream? Hide, 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 hide. Cover it. And, and point the finger at somebody else. Get the light off of you. Hide and, and point. Hide and point. But as we've already been seeing, what's the big problem with this? You don't get the help you need. You don't get the mercy when you're blaming someone else. And you, as we talk about this, and not just tonight, but as time goes on but you can receive right now because the word is the word the anointing is the anointing whether you're in the seat or whether you're in the seat there spirit of God's right there right here there's no time lapse there, there's no distance in the spirit he's our teacher the anointing teaches us there is Revelation, there is victory, there is freedom in what we're talking about here. And we do not have to be, act like we're ignorant of the enemy's device. We see what happened here. We should be enlightened to not allow this to happen to us. For us not to, to miss it like they did. They didn't have anybody to learn from. We do. Not only that, we're born again. We got the Holy Spirit inside of us. We don't have to go this way. I want you to keep reading this. The man said, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. Now, a lot of times when we read that and then we read the next verse and and he talks to the woman and the woman says, well, the serpent. And and many times we've laughed and, and said, you know, he said, the woman, she's saying the serpent. But I assure you, Nobody was laughing on this day. There was nothing funny about what was going on here. This was as serious as it gets. They were afraid. And they were ashamed. And they were trying to get out from under the light. They were hiding and trying to hide. Hold your place here and look in the book of Proverbs. We'll come back to this. But look in the book of Proverbs, the 28th chapter. Proverbs 28 and verse 13. You'll see this principle. And this is true in every situation, every time, everywhere. It says, He that covers his sins... Well, that's what they were trying to do. They, they covered with the fig leaves. They hid in the bushes. 
and they're trying to point to somebody else. It's about hiding and covering. He that covers his sins, what does it say? Shall not prosper. You could say it like this, won't be successful in what they're trying to do. But whoso does what? Confesses. That's acknowledging. That's admitting. 1 John 1, 9. Anybody know what that says? If we what? Confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the same thing. If we admit it, if we confess it, we're able to receive the grace, the mercy, the cleansing and forgiveness that's already been provided and already been given. People say, well, if it's already been done, then why do I need to confess anything? You've got to receive it. Yes, it's already been done, but see, if you're not even going to admit that you missed it, that you violated light, then you're not going to receive any forgiveness. People say, well, the, the Lord's already paid the price for all my sins, past, present, and future. He sure has. That doesn't mean you've received it. And just because he's paid the price for all the sins of the world doesn't mean everybody's born again. You must receive it. And it's too easy for the flesh and the pride to just hide and ignore when we miss it. And so, well, I don't have to deal with that. The Lord already knows. No. (laughs) If you cover, what did it say? Go back to Proverbs. If you cover, what will happen? You won't prosper. This is Proverbs 28, 13. Let's go back. But if you'll admit it and forsake them, you'll have mercy. When you messed up, what do you need, church? What do you need? Mercy. (laughs) Oh, thank God for mercy. Mercy means you don't get the judgment that you would have gotten. Mercy means you get the blessing and good things that you didn't deserve. Thank God for mercy. Mercy rejoices over judgment, the scripture says. But who gets the mercy? Who gets the grace? Not everybody. The proud get resisted. The humble get the grace. Pride hides, covers, lies, blames. Humility admits, (laughs) confesses, takes responsibility, and praise God, gets mercy gets grace. Can you say amen? Let's read this in, in some other translations in the, uh, the Living Bible. Well, I'll tell you what, good, let, let's go to the Good News translation. Good News translation says, you'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. The Living Bible says it like this. The Living Bible. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. This is why programs like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and other derivatives of this, the same things that that people endeavor to help others with drug addiction and sex addiction and any other kind of thing, 
they have found you've got to acknowledge (laughs) that you've been an alcoholic. As long as you try to hide it and cover it, you will not get free. And and as long as you're, you're lying, you're stealing, you're whatever you're doing, as long as you cover it, you won't access the grace. You won't access the help that you need. And as long as you blame somebody else. Now I'm sure you know how popular it is to blame others in our society. You don't have to search for it. It's everywhere. If somebody is having an issue, well, they didn't get what they needed from their parents. Or they didn't get the proper help from the government as a child in their education, or they, uh, their, their friends weren't there for them, or they've been scarred by this. And over and over and over, it has to do with, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. And I'm not saying people haven't been mistreated and hurt and abused. It's a cruel world. We know this. But as long as you're doing this, You're not receiving from God. As long as you're blaming others, you're judging them. And if you judge, what what did Jesus say? You will be judged. And that's why the cycle just keeps going and going and going. And you go from failure to failure to failure. You must stop. Blaming anybody. Yeah, if, you know, most people didn't have a perfect family (laughs) and upbringing. And a lot of people had a terrible one. But that's them. How long have you been responsible for making your own decisions? How long are you going to blame something that happened 20 years ago, 40 years ago? How long are you going to blame people that's no longer even on the earth? Hadn't been on the earth for 20 years. You're still blaming them for your problems in life. This is deception. This is delusion. This is dishonesty. And it cuts off grace. We need grace, brother. We need grace, sister. We need his help. And tell me who gets the grace? Who gets the help? The humble who are the honest, who are the forthcoming, pride hides, pride covers, pride blames. Humility admits, confesses, acknowledges, takes responsibility, takes responsibility. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but... I think it'll it'll help to introduce this and then we can cover more later. This has helped me. This has helped Phyllis, my wife, so much to learn this. If I'm in a place and somebody's not treating me right or something's not going right, the first thing I ask myself is, should I be here? <laughs> Should I be here? Not not blaming them. Even if they're doing something wrong, did I miss it? 
by even trying to work with them? Did I miss it by being in this part of town today? Did I miss it by going here trying to do business instead of somewhere else? Did I not pray? Did I not listen to the Lord? Taking responsibility for my own decisions, for my own life. If I do that, I am continually receiving grace to help me in situations, even if I missed it. I'm getting grace to help me get out of there and get it sorted and get it fixed. But if your solution and response is to blame and judge and blame and judge and take no responsibility for your own life and decisions, you get no help. That's why people are so frustrated and so angry. Lord, it just feels like you won't help me. Well, you're pushing it away by continually blaming and judging others. Go back with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. Let's look further at what happened here. And what we're seeing is the trickery of the devil, the trickery of the enemy. Little children who don't understand the difference between right and wrong, they're not responsible. Their parents are responsible. But pretty early in life, you learn how the difference between right and wrong, the Lord begins to hold you responsible for what you know, because he knows what you know. And even though we, there's a lot of things we don't control in life, There's a lot of things we do control. What we think, what we say, our decisions of involvement, our plans, and we must take responsibility for that if we want to flow in His grace, operate in His grace. Because of fear, because of shame, because of pride, when uh, Adam said, He didn't just answer the question. He said, the woman, the woman you gave me to be with me. Now see, he's really pointing in two directions, isn't he? He's saying, the woman that you gave me. He's trying to blame God for this. Well, Lord, if you hadn't given me that woman, then this never would have happened. And if she hadn't done that, then this never would have happened. Can he really blame them? Have you read the rest of the chapter? Did God say, you know, you're right. It's my fault. (laughs) No. Did he say, yeah, you're right. It's really all her fault. No, he didn't. It didn't didn't work. Verse 13, the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? What did she say? She said, the serpent, he beguiled me, and I did eat. I mean, a reluctant admission, but the emphasis is on the serpent. And verse 14, the Lord said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed. Now, I want you to notice these next couple of verses. It's judgment. Judgment judgment. 
There's no repentance here. So there's no mercy and grace. There's judging and blaming. So when you judge, what happens? You get judgment. He spoke judgment over the serpent. Verse 16, just for time's sake. To the woman, he spoke judgment concerning that. Verse 17. To Adam, he spoke judgment. They, they were each held responsible personally for their decision, for what they had done. And because of blaming and judging, there's no repentance. Where there's no repentance, there's no mercy received. There's no grace. And this is why the enemy pushes so hard to blame others. Because he knows if you're blaming others, you're judging them, and you won't get mercy and grace, you will get judged. Everybody said out loud, I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. I refuse to blame others. By the grace of God, I will take responsibility for my own choices, for my own words, for my own decisions, and I'll receive grace and mercy and help in the time of need. Praise God. Can you see that? Can you see that? No repentance, and so no mercy, only judgment. Skip on down to the, uh, the fourth chapter, just the very next chapter, and notice this. Verse 1, Adam knew Eve, his wife. She conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel and his offering, but to Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. He got really mad and angry. And his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you wroth? We'd say, Why are you so mad? And why are you so countenance fallen, so depressed? Friends, anger and depression are indicators that you're yielding to the devil. Anger and rage. The Bible said the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. And depression shows you're not believing God. You're not in faith. And it's yielding to darkness. It lets darkness in. And that's what he's warning him about. Why are you so mad? If the Lord asks you, why are you so mad? What should that let you know? I probably shouldn't be so mad. Or he wouldn't be asking me this. Why are you depressed? If the Lord asks you such a question, that should be an indication. I, I, I reckon I shouldn't be, or he wouldn't be asking me this. Now, we, before we go further, what's he mad about? What's he upset about? You, you can tell, and if you, you've read this, but we know from reading the rest of the passage, he's blaming everybody else, and there are not that many people around, except who? Except himself. He's blaming God because he didn't accept his offering. He's blaming his brother because his offering did get accepted. And so 
What's the problem with this? If you're blaming others, you're judging them. And if you're judging them, you're not going to get grace. You're not going to get mercy. You're not going to get help. You're going to get judged. Was it time for Cain to repent and take responsibility for his own failure? It would have solved everything. Things could have been fixed so quickly. Fellowship could have been restored so quickly and an awful murder prevented. If he had just taken responsibility for his lousy offering. The Lord said, verse 7, he said, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? What's he telling him? I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Cain, just make an adjustment, buddy, and I'll receive you. I'll accept your offering if you do what you know to do. Now, boy, there's a lot of revelation about offerings here because there was no law given that they're supposed to do offerings. There, there was no tithing instruction given. Why are they even doing offerings? Because they knew God would receive them. And it matters to him, their, their quality of giving, because one he was pleased with, one he was not. He never changes. He said, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? Just make an adjustment, Cain. But if you don't, sin is at the door. And to you shall be his desire. You'll rule over him. Verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. This is sad. Why? Why would he kill his brother? What did Abel do to him? First John tells us the reason he killed him is because Abel's works were good and righteous and his works were bad and evil. And, and we know from what we're talking about, and the devil works the same way today, he blamed Abel. Why else would he kill him? He blamed him for him not being in favor with God. I, I guess he thought, well, Abel, if you hadn't given such a wonderful offering, it wouldn't have made mine look so bad by comparison. You, you show off, you, you're holier than thou, you think you're better than me, and, and none of that was true. The Bible tells us Abel's works were righteous. That was not his heart. That was not his motive. It really had nothing to do with Cain. He loved God. He wanted to bless God. He wanted to honor God. It had nothing to do with Cain. But the devil came and whispered in Cain's ear all these suggestions, all this innuendo about, look, look, look at Abel. See how he's looking at you? And maybe Abel wasn't even looking at him. See he thinks he's better than you. See, 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 just lies, lies. But that's what happens if you won't accept responsibility for your own mistakes. If you won't admit the truth, what's the truth? I just grabbed something and gave it and it wasn't my heart. The Bible said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. I, I didn't even try 
I didn't even do what I, I know I should do. It's my fault. If you won't admit the truth and you don't want to hear the truth, you don't want it to be your fault, you don't want to take responsibility, if you don't want it the truth, there's nothing else to believe but lies. And if you don't want the truth, if you reject taking responsibility for yourself, it opens you up for the enemy to come and lie to you and whisper lies in your ears because you've chosen to hear them because you don't want the truth. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Come on, say it out loud again. We're not ignorant. I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices. I refuse to listen to his lies and blame other people for my mistakes. He rose up against his brother and, and killed him. This is so sad, so unnecessary, so wasteful. No doubt this chewed on Cain. You can see it in, in later references to him. This bothered him. This grieved him. I don't know if he got over it in his lifetime when he realized how stupid he had been, how deceived he had let himself be. Verse 9, the Lord said to Cain, now see if this sounds like the same kind of thing that happened with their parents, Adam and Eve. Where is Abel your brother? Does that sound similar to the previous question? Where, where are you? Where are He knows where they are, but they don't know where they are spiritually. Where's Abel, your brother? He said, I don't know. See, he's lying. Why? Because he's feeding on lies. He's listening to lies. He's believing lies, and now he's telling lies. Am I my brother's keeper? Do you hear the language? Sarcasm. Disrespect. What's it all rooted to? Come, come on, back it up. Where did all this come from? A simple failure to take responsibility for your own mistakes. That's where it came from. It all came from. If that had not happened, none of this would have happened. Just all he'd have had to do on offering day, when the father wasn't pleased with his offering, is humble himself and say, forgive me, father. I knew that was a lousy offering when I put it together. That's, it's, it's disrespectful. I didn't even try. My heart wasn't in it. Please forgive me. I'll do better. What did the father say himself? If you do well, you'll be accepted. What would have happened? He'd have said, that's, that's fine, Cain. That's good. Just, just get it right. And none of this murder, this awful brother-killing brother, wouldn't be in here if he had just taken responsibility instead of trying to hide confess it forsake it he'd have gotten mercy and grace to help he said I don't know am I my brother's keeper and we see that the Lord verse 10 what have you done what have you done the voice of your brother's blood's crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the earth. Now let, let's, again, what did we see when Adam and Eve blamed each other? They didn't repent. 
So there was no mercy. Thank God, God had a plan that involved mercy to save all of us. But at that point and juncture, they didn't take responsibility and they didn't repent. So it's just judgment. And here, Cain didn't repent. When you're blaming other people, you're not repenting. And if you're blaming, you're judging, you're not going to get mercy. You'll get judged. Oh, but mercy rejoices over judgment. If you be honest enough to just quickly go, my fault. You know, there's a phrase that's not a good phrase that's become popular in our time. Uh, I've heard people say this, I'll take the hit. (laughs) Something went wrong. Something went wrong in an area. And somebody says, well, I'll take the hit. That's not repentance. The language implies you don't think you're responsible for anything, but you'll take the repercussions that you don't deserve. That's blaming whoever is in authority now. No honesty is such a beautiful, godly trait. Hallelujah. Honesty. It it takes strength because When you messed up, it's embarrassing. Shame tries to come on you. Fear tries to come on you. And it takes strength, it takes courage to believe God will help me if I tell the truth and I take responsibility. Whatever it takes, He will help me. Do we have scripture that says, if you'll confess it and forsake it, you'll have mercy? Is it the word of the Lord? It is written. You will get mercy. Praise God. You'll you'll come out. God will take care of you. You'll come out on top. But if you hide it, it just, it becomes like an abscess. It becomes like a cancer. And the more you blame and the more you point, the more delusion, the more mixed up, the more confusion, the more deception. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Somebody say, thank God. Thank God. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Go with me to 2 Chronicles. I want us to end up with this. I tell you what, let's let's do two things here. Luke 13, and then we'll go to 2 Chronicles. Luke 13, and the first verse. Luke 13, 1, there were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the sacrifices. This is a terrible thing. This idol worshiper, unbeliever, had slaughtered these individuals as they were offering their animal blood sacrifices. Jesus said, do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. There's so much debate and discussion that people say, well, you know, why does God let bad things happen? Or why does he let bad things happen even to good people and 
And then other people say, well, no, they must have been bad because the bad thing happened. Well, we got the answers right here out of Jesus' own mouth. Keep reading. He, he gives another example. He said those 18 people that the tower of Siloam fell on. So this was a physical disaster. There were people out there by this tower and it collapsed and fell on them and killed them. He said, do you think they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? Why were they at the wrong place at the wrong time and got killed? What's Jesus' answer? No. He's saying no, it's not because they were worse people than somebody else. That's not why it happened. But except you what? Repent. That's the key. You shall all likewise perish. Repenting involves taking responsibility for your own mistakes. Taking responsibility for issues in your life. Sometimes people get so indignant. Well, are you saying that, that we did something wrong? Well, are you saying that you haven't? Are you saying that everything you've done is the perfect manifest will of God? That'd be quite a statement, wouldn't it? Well, are you saying you have nothing to repent for? All we've ever done is the perfect will of God? Well, if we have done something other than that, we've got something to repent for. And asking the question, why did God do the bad thing? That's a wrong question. Why, well, then why did God let the bad thing happen? That's still a wrong question. The question is, why wasn't he able to protect them in that situation? Why wasn't he able to spare them? Because that's who God is. He's a keeper. He's a protector. It's the enemy, the devil, Jesus said, goes about to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he does. I mean, if it was up to the enemy, he would have wiped us all out a long time ago. It's only because God has been keeping us and sparing us. What's this thing with, with repent? Repent is a willingness to admit We've made mistakes. We've opened some doors. We, we've allowed some things we shouldn't have allowed. Repent is admitting we need help. Lord, we need your help. We, we can't fix everything. We don't have all the answers. We need your help. And if you do that, then he's saying you wouldn't perish. You could be spared and kept in situations like this. Doesn't mean they were bad people. But the key to having protection and being kept when others are not is this repenting, this taking responsibility for your own life, this humility, and this receiving of God's grace. Look with me in closing at Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter, and the thirteenth verse. He said, The Lord said, If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, if I command locusts to devour the land, if I send pestilence among my people. Now, how do you understand that? If he passes judgment that allows these things, it doesn't mean it's his will. He's the righteous judge of all the earth. 
Verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, is that us, saints? My people, which are called by my name, will do what? Blame (laughs) each other. We've had a big problem in, in this country. Republicans blame the Democrats. Democrats blame the Republicans. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's not how you get grace. That's not how you get help. People blame the government. People blame other governments, other countries for the problems. Well, maybe they did do some things that's wrong, but the truth is, if we'd have been in the right place, God could have kept us anyway, could have spared us anyway. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, everybody say humble yourself, and pray, and seek my face, and what? Turn. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. How many believe the word of the Lord? I believe their hands going up all over the place. We believe the word of the Lord. Stand up with me, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.